everybody. Welcome to the UJ Sports Live Show. My name is Roddy DeBulsey. I'm joined by Jim Donnan, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, and Dane Young, our bandit. Excuse me. We're joined by bandit, not uh, Dane Young. Uh, Parents will know. If you don't (laughs) have kids, you're not going to know what this is. He's dressed in some weird dog hat thing. I have no idea. For people people listening to the podcast, Dane is dressed up as bandit from Bluey. So it's a little... It's a little uh, disconcerting, but uh, we appreciate the, the uh, attempt here on Halloween and uh, look forward. To, uh, we hope all of you have a great and safe Halloween. Uh, there was good tricks and treats in Jacksonville this past weekend was the uh, Bulldogs absolutely throttled the Florida Gators. I was a little worried, as I told folks last week, because I'm always worried about this game. And, Coach, I've come to this realization. I always say this about Jacksonville. Stupid things happen in Jacksonville. We can go back to – DJ Shockley getting hurt before that game, the Patone bout experiment that didn't work out, uh, balls, you know, turn strange turnovers, pick sixes, but all that crazy stuff is now happening to Florida. So if you go back a few years ago, well, the Stetson Bennett getting hurt with his shoulder thing, it's just bad stuff. Georgia had bad luck down there, but now all the bad luck seems to be on Florida's end with uh, Brock Bowers tipping a ball to himself two years ago. Uh, that. 21 points or whatever it was scored in the final two minutes. You know, Nola Smith strips a ball and, you know, Georgia just throttles them right before the half uh, th- three years ago. Then this past weekend, uh, multiple turnovers of short, short fields and Georgia just, uh, it was a, you know, field goal, then touchdown, 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 safety. And the route was on, game was over in the second quarter. Uh, so, again, I'm writing about the fact that weird things happen in that stadium, but now all the bad stuff is happening to Florida. So, uh, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the Florida game, and uh, then after we talk about that a little bit, we'll talk about the Missouri game coming up because I think more people are worried about the Missouri game than we're worried about the Florida game. I think it was only me that was worried about Florida. So give me your thoughts, Coach. Couldn't happen to a nicer program than Florida for the bad things to happen, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, when they say what the people whisper in the ear after the game. Yeah. Uh, Kirby said to uh, Billy, said, Hey, Billy, I knew you were a friend of mine, but I didn't know you were that good a friend to try that damn fake punt. So uh, it, was, it was, I don't think he said that, but it really was. A, and then we had to watch a long show, and there, there was a brief pause in there where they were doing the, the deal. And Dane and I mentioned that this this play here is going to determine the game. If they go for it and don't make it, this, this game's over. And it's not that I was trying to be smart or anything, but it, it just reality. Oh. You can't, you can't take a shot like that against Georgia and particularly that play. I mean, that was such a playground play. I mean, I, it's hard for me to believe that they thought that might work, but maybe, maybe it did against the scout team. But, but the big thing for us is we got challenged early, uh, came back, met the challenge, looked like a team that was very confident knowing that their best player wasn't in the game, but still finding a way to spread the wealth. And I thought Carson Beck continued to um, improve and show that he's very big in the moment. He knows what to do with the ball. He checks off good. And uh, I'm just really fired up about the defense, getting some of those players that are, you know, been up in the air, starting to play like they're all of a sudden can, like Munden and Bullard. And then getting uh, Ingram Dawkins back is just like pennies from heaven because he gives you a force inside. The, just a big guy that loves to play. And the thing about uh, if you're an upperclassman and all of a sudden you, you have that taken away from you and you don't you can't play and you see all your buddies out there playing and they're experiencing success and time's waning for you and you don't 
think you're going to get to play. And then when you finally do, you're just so glad to be out there that you, you play like uh, you've never, like it's your last play. And that's what he's doing. And that, he's going to give us, he's going to give us a lot of big plays, uh, not so much what he does, but what he occupies and lets these other guys do that. I think uh, the one big point out of that game to me was him playing. And uh, I, I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's a good solid player and he wants to contribute. And the other thing that I thought was really good was how, how happy those guys were on the special teams to block a punt guys like <laughs> Jackson Meeks and Aguero, all those guys in there that work their butt off all the time. And that's the way they can contribute to the team winning. And uh, it was a good team victory. And uh, it just, uh, one of the things that we talked about on this show for our fans that listen every week, as I said, after, before the Kentucky game, that I thought that our team was starting to really put it together and look like the one that I saw in fall camp. And then we played Vanderbilt and we kind of shut it down when Bowers went down and Milton was hurt a little bit. But I mentioned that all that time that we'd worked together and all that time that we'd uh, pressed each other in practice was going to pay big dividends. And you saw that yeah. like Florida too. I mean, our team is playing very confidently, uh, playing with uh, really kind of a swagger that you got to have. And it's certainly incumbent about all of us to be worried about the different teams we got coming up. But, uh, I'm not near as worried about it as I was, you know, earlier in the year when we had all these guys down. Now, all of a sudden, we got depth at offensive tackle. We got guys that had played at guard that hadn't played before in Fairchild. We've got Darren Ingram Dawkins back. We've got these linebackers getting a chance to play like C.J. Allen. Hope he's not hurt, but some of these corners getting extra work. Safeties went Bullard out. All that stuff adds up. And then you add the fact you got two transfer receivers that can make plays. Uh, you got Delp coming on and Lucky back. I mean, Elwin, you better say your prayers. <laughs> Roddy, I want to ask you about two just atmosphere things at the stadium because we talked about the fourth and one. And so Smile Munden being unblocked, making the play in the backfield. I want to know what the stadium was like in that moment. But the one that just visually I thought was super appealing from a just a, a viewer standpoint, Javon Bullard after Florida had been hitting those inside slants is like no more. And he came in there and he lit up that receiver. Yeah. Uh, the first play, everyone thought that because in the stadium, they indicated that Florida had gotten the first down and then it was going into the second quarter. And it took forever for anyone to realize they were actually reviewing where the ball was. And then they said it was, you know, uh, fourth and short. And they lined up and uh, everyone expected him to punt it and, or to go for it. When he didn't make it, that place went sideways. And it wasn't just the Georgia fans they were screaming. The Florida fans were going nuts. Like, what the hell was that? You know, uh, the direct snap underneath the uh, quarterback to the uh, running back. And there's a guy next to me. He's like, oh, they're lucky they broke that up. If not, it's a touchdown. I'm like, no, the guy that he was going to throw it to was covered up. I don't. That play was doomed to fit, unless Smile Mother missed the tackle. We could have got called for defensive holding on that, though, because the guy okay, was well, drafting, but they, they never got to that point. But um, it, it was definitely, like you say, hey, the, the fans had to be fired up. And you, you never know about a fake kick. I mean, I've been so involved in fake kicks all my life. Going back to high school, we lost in the state semifinals when they fake 
faked a quick kick and stuck the ball behind the guy's butt, and the guy went 70 yards, and everybody on our team went for the for uh, you know the the thinking was a quick kick because they'd quick kicked on us twice, and uh, that just stuck in my mind the rest of my life. So, uh, uh, but it, it's just some you know kicking game is, is so big, and I think this week. Looking ahead, Missouri ranks 93 in the country in special teams. And as good as they are on offense, as good as they are in defense, that's an edge for us. Their kicker is, has made some big kicks, but he's missed some too. He missed that one against Auburn last year that would have won the game. He's 13 out of 20 on the season. Uh, so you look for some kind of edge in a game like that, beside the fact we're playing in Sanford Stadium. We've won every game since – uh, Trump was president, so I mean, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be fired up to the max for this game. Yeah. Uh, the the other one you were talking about, Dane, was the uh, hit by Javon Buller, who who seemed to be everywhere on every play. Uh, the Georgia fans are like, why can't we cover a slant? And everyone's trying to give their theories on it. And you know, you don't know if he's got uh, what his responsibility is. You don't know if he has help over the top. No, no one understands what's going on. And then we watch that play develop, and we see the guy go into motion, and Tucky. <laughs> and I, I, my thought was they were trying to pull uh, Javon away, you know, with that motion. But Tucky Smith goes with him, and the guy runs the slant, and Javon just kills him. And again, the woof of fans when that hit happened. It felt it felt like I was covering games in Coach Donovan's time, you know, and uh, going back to when. Big hits happen in this game all the time. It was always one of those physical, always kind of one of the nastiest ones. And then we saw, I mean, heck, even Xavier Trust got into a kind of a, a punching match with a guy down there. It was called offsetting. But the one thing that kind of, from the atmosphere standpoint, was complimentary football. As Coach said, the kicking game. I mean, Makai Muse had a good return. You know, uh, they Georgia had that one short kick that they returned on their first drive. But after that, it was over. You know, you, you made your field goals. You they you, you don't fall for the, the fake. Uh, Georgia then it's all touchbacks and good returns. I don't think anybody's returned a punt on Georgia all year. Uh, but the defense would go out, get the ball on a short field. The offense would punch it in. The offense would drive the field. Uh, the defense would come out. And, again, I think that there's a great stat that was just put up uh, on uh, Twitter from a member of our staff, uh, Trent. So of all the top – Teams that only have zero, no losses or one loss. There's only one team in the entire country that it ranks in the top 10 in offense and defense, and that's Georgia. If you look at Michigan, you look at Ohio State, look at the other ones, they'll have either great defense or a great offense. But to Coach's point, Georgia's got both. They feed off each other, and then you don't even have a weakness when it comes to special teams. That's also complimentary. So uh, if you get the ball, then uh, the defense turns it open. The offense can't push it in. You got a field goal kicker who's knocking down everything. So it's uh, it does feel like the dogs are on a roll. Of course, Missouri's really good. Ole Miss is great. Uh, Tennessee's going to be tough, but I think Georgia's getting healthy and getting playing that complimentary football that Kirby Smart likes to play so well at the right time. It feels like it's been a long time coming, but I think people are a lot more scared about Georgia than they were in the first two or three weeks. I ask about Bullard in particular because Coach, he made the point at the beginning of the Watch Along show of, look, here again, this has happened a couple times now with Georgia, of just throwing behind the linebacker but in front of the safety. That's an area that Georgia can improve. And on that play, I thought, oh, Georgia put something on tape there that now other offenses in this home stretch they have to think about that. Yeah, good point. A lot of it has to do with the coverage call. 
we were in a straight cover two where, you know, he's the, the, the outside guy is forcing him inside and then the safety can break on it early in the game. We didn't, we weren't in that when uh, they threw this couple of slants, but we run so many different coverages. I can't keep up with them, but uh, I, I do know that, uh, Reminded me of the play that Bullard made against Mississippi State last year on fourth down when the guy had a chance to make a first down after catching it in the flat, and he disowned him. And Dumas Johnson did the same thing. Uh, the one one very visible thing about our team so far this year: not many missed tackles. We do give up some easy edge runs once in a while on gap control, which concern is concerning, but. When we've got a one-on-one in the open field, most of the time those guys go down, and that's not easy. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to do. Uh, so our tackling is crisp. I think Roddy pointed this out maybe that we only had two penalties and they were both delay of games that we used on ourselves. But to play in a game with that kind of atmosphere against your rival and not have an offensive penalty or a uh, – or, you know, just jumping off sides or anything stupid or, or and without any turnovers is uh, very complete and shows the discipline which our team has. We, we, we're we a very disciplined team, and uh, they know they better be disciplined or they're going to get their ass run off at, at their practice. <laughs> he puts a high torch to them. And I, I was reading where Drinkwood said, hey, one of the things that's really helping us now on our penalties is we're using the officials at practice. Duh. I mean <laughs> – I mean, is that just ten got, years? Is that just got across the Mississippi River that you can use officials in practice? I mean, uh, I know they got a tight budget out there in Missouri, but call Anheuser Busch and get some money, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we got—I'm serious—we got officials that to walk through. I mean, we don't miss anything, and uh, but I, I'm kind of poo-pooing Drinkwitz saying that, but I thought it was kind of funny. I, I mean, I've—I don't think I've been to a practice of any college in a long time where they don't have officials. I mean, it just it, it means too much. You, you better better have them out there because a the guy can get bad habits. He can do things in practice and think he can get away with it. The other thing which our fans know that listen to the show, in case you don't, is we scout the officials. We know who we got this week. We know what they call, and we're going to be aware of that. You know, hey, this guy's really bad about – alignment if you're not right there where you're supposed to be he's going to call you off the ball or he's going to call you uh lining up in a neutral zone so uh, those are little tips that that are big in a big game like this i thought kirby smart had a really interesting response to roddy's question about having the two penalties and it was the delays of game and he said that that's not always a great thing like yeah you want your team to be disciplined but like you want them to test the limits of what's possible out there it reminded me coach so much of brian kelly last year when they didn't throw hardly any interceptions and he said Jaden daniels is not being aggressive enough in the passing game it's the very similar concept of you need to be aggressive but not reckless yeah, I just think Kirby trying to argue with Rodney. He's just being obstinate. Well, it's, it's, maybe it's, that's not good. You, there's nothing good about having penalties. I mean, I think it's, once in a while, you know, your aggressiveness can be. But uh shows a real – I always thought it was a big part of our team. Uh, every place I ever coach is to eliminate turnovers, eliminate penalties and eliminate missed assignments. And if you do all that, then you got a chance to not beat yourself. But uh, that, that's something we coach up hard here, and uh, it's pretty pretty evident. Another good little uh, window that I saw was the 2020 game. Since they beat us, we're like 42 or 43-1, and one, and they're 21-19. and 19. 
with their second coach. So uh, uh, that's, I hope that Florida is really reveling in their glory. And they wouldn't have won that one had they not not taken out uh, Stetson Bennett's shoulder. That was ugly. Uh, to your point about no, no turnovers, uh, no penalties for Georgia. Yeah, again, they took two uh, delay a game once it didn't count. So uh, no chance for Georgia to shoot themselves in the foot. And you talked about the uh, guys not missing their assignments. I thought it was very interesting coming out of that game. It just felt like the perfect Kirby Smart script, except for the, maybe the first uh, drive there, where you had, and Coach, you mentioned the guys coming on, Georgia getting uh, deeper. Jalen Walker comes on and does something amazing. Uh, Ingram Dawkins plays nine snaps but still gets the uh, strip. Marvin Jones Jr. jumps on it. Julian Humphrey plays a lot. Uh, I actually said on the postgame show that Georgia didn't use a lot of 12 personnel. Well, I'm an idiot because they did. I just didn't notice it as much from the seats I was standing in. Uh, but Lawson Lucky, you got him back in healthy. You lose Oscar Delt. I mean, excuse me, you lose Brock Bowers. Oscar Delp goes out on your first drive, makes a crazy catch to kind of, uh, you know, everyone's thinking, well, what are you going to do without Brock Bowers? Well, hell, Oscar Delp can catch the football, and he showed that. And he played a ton of snaps, and Lawson Lucky gets in there. And Lawson missed a block here or there, but I thought he played pretty well. And it just felt like even though you lost some players, you know, or you had some guys uh, early on that weren't there, all of a sudden – like you said, Coach, those young guys are coming in, and they're they're adding to it. So uh, you point to uh, C.J. Allen, uh, Smith. There's a ton of guys that uh, are really – everybody – I'm trying to say is everybody contributed up and down your uh, 1 to 44. So I, I, here's, I, a, here's a point that a coach like Kirby makes to his team, and you got to remember that your team is, is going to feed off you. And if you say, look, we're not going to – not going to have Bauer, so we're going to change some things here and we're not going to run uh, this or that because – so essentially you're saying, hey, Oscar and Lucky, you can't do it as compared to, hey, hey, Oscar, you've been here for two years. You know what to do. I got a lot of confidence in you. Put my arm around you and say, I know you're going to step up. You don't have to be anybody but who I've seen in practice. Just play like you can. And we're going to still run 11 personnel. We're still going to run a little bit of 12. And, hey, Lucky, it's time for you to come in and, and show what you can do like you did in the spring when you were out there with, with a lot less experience and a lot less walkthroughs than you've had now. So that's the way you build morale. That's the way you build confidence. And, and uh, just by the visualization that you show to your players that they're going to pick up on how you look at things. If all of a sudden you seem a little bit – uh, edgy about trying to do what you used to do and you're changing. Nothing's worse than to come in every week and have a, a game plan of the week. We're going to do this. We're changing this. We're, hey, we got some bread and butter. We got some stuff we're going to do, and it's a Georgia way, and whoever the next guy is, he's going to do it. And if he doesn't do good enough, the rest of them are going to step up and make up for it, a la you saw what McConkie did a couple of times. McConkie was lined up as a third receiver inside where Brock was, and they hit him. Uh, and, boy, does he run the routes like they're supposed to be run. He can sit down in a New York minute. He can accelerate after he catches the ball. And he is such a glue for our team. I mean, they feel good about the fact that this guy's going to give them that extra. And to see him and – you weren't here, Roddy, but I was so fired up with Dane. I was just so happy for the young man because yeah. I know how much he 
being on a Georgia team means to him, not being a star and going off, just being a Georgia Bulldog. And for him to get that touchdown early on after all he's gone through all year as far as not being able to play, really kind of set the tone for me the rest of the game. And I know our players did too. And I hope that the fans that listen to our show or watch it realize that uh, that's what we try to give you, a little bit of insight in that our players really care about uh, you know the other other guys on the team. I mean, it's it's a good sharing there, and and uh, there's not a lot of uh, jealousy, and uh, th- they just know if I'm a guy that's a backup and I got a chance to come in, all these other guys are counting on me, just like they've counted on me to be a a, a, a scout team guy or whatever it might be, and I'm not going to let them down. And uh, that's not hokey. That's just the way it is. And we got that kind of morale around here where everybody's going to do what they're supposed to. Part of our work is as media, Roddy, we document history here. And in the Kirby Smart era, you talk about best players overall. You're looking at the Andrew Thomases, the Jalen Carters, like that. Lad McConkey belongs in there with Brock Bowers. He is such an elite football player at so many things. He's such a good blocker. I still think he's undervalued around the country, but you're beginning to see people talk about him like the pro prospect that he is. This guy's going to be drafted in the second or third round next year. Good point. Good point. I mean, he's there to return kicks if we need him to, but there's no need putting him out there and, and exposing him to those kind of hits if because Muse is doing a good job. And uh, uh, I think that that'll be uh, something we can use down the road. But, uh, and, and, you know, I think a, another good point about the team concept is you got two guys that transferred in here that were really essentially the stars of their team or among the best players at two programs, rah-rah at uh, Mississippi State and love it at Mississippi, at uh, Missouri, and really are not getting quite the, the attention as far as number of catches and things like that. But when they're called on here to do their job, whether it's a crossing route on third and four or five against Auburn or the same thing against uh, uh, Florida the other day for rah-rah, he comes through for us. And he almost made a spectacular catch on the fade in the end zone. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Dominic Lovick is just uh, starting to burst on the scene. And, you know, Kirby kind of poo-pooed what it's like for him to be playing against his old buddies this week. But I guarantee you, uh, Sunday, Saturday can't get here fast enough for him. I mean, there's nothing like going against the guys. You know, back when we were playing in high school or playing against your buddies, uh, all both of you guys, it's just something like nothing like going against some guys you know. And uh, you know, it's just fun to compete. and. And he, he more than anything uh, doesn't have to prove that he did the right thing coming here, but he can show that, uh, hey, uh, I got a chance to get after Missouri, a team that I played for. And, hey, fortunately for us, he's not playing for Missouri because he caught like six <laughs> passes the first half against us last year, and then he got hurt. But uh, he, he's really a, a quality young man too, very, uh, very uh, driven in his approach to everything. and. Uh, and that's what I feel good about our portal situation and the fact that he can be a little dicey there if all of a sudden you bring somebody in that doesn't fit into our culture and is more of an individual or whatever it might be. So that's why you see Kirby really research these guys and make sure that they understand that, hey, you're going to have to come out here and practice, man. You're going to go against our defense and we're going to hit you up and all that and, and you know, 
maybe the grass looks green over here, but we're going to make you work for it. And uh, bottom line to me today, the one thing I'm going to say on this show that this catches my attention, we've lost 25 guys to the pros, 29 guys to the transfer portal. That's 54 players, and we've won 25 straight games. Now, come on. Yeah, that, that's insane. Uh, the only people I can think of that have had similar success would probably be our fan, uh, friends at Athens Ford. It's the only people I can think of who would have COVID hit and still have vehicles on the lot, you know, that would have uh, uh, the economy going up and down, and they're still staying to that same exacting standard. They have a roster full of cars out there that you can go check and pick one you like. And here's the other thing. We don't – we seldom talk about this. You can actually sell your car to them. So you have a nice, you know, a pre-owned vehicle, uh, and you're like, "Look, I need to sell it." Well, you know, used to you could go into the grab the newspaper, put out a classified ad. People would call you up, ask if you still had it, ask you questions about it. Uh, what, what are you going to do now? People don't do the classifieds as much anymore. People don't get the paper anymore. Uh, you put it on marketplace on Facebook, then you're going to have every psychopath in the you know five counties around you calling you up. It's a pain in the butt to sell a car, but not if you go to Athens Ford. You can just go to the website, type in your VIN number, tell them some stuff about the car, and they will give you a quote. If you like the quote, take it up there, and they'll cut you a check. If you don't, uh, you can say, uh, okay, well, try something else. Or take it up there and look at They'll give you a trade-in value for it. But if you really want to get rid of a car and you don't want a lot of hassle, check out our friends at Athens Ford. Hey, it's just a great tool to give you an idea what what you could sell it for. So if you are going to sell it on your own, at least you know. So reach out to Athens Ford, and they will take great care of you. Also, today is Triple Points Day because it's Halloween, I guess. But uh, the, our friends at Europi actually have a deal right now. If you order a pizza today, you get triple points. It's a one-day deal, so uh, do it quickly. Uh, we always tell folks on Tuesdays, you know, it's Double Points Day. Uh, well, now it's triple, and they have a – they're revamping their app. So you go on your phone, you call the Europi app, put in your pizza order, put in your uh, gelato order, your breadsticks, your salad, your pasta, your sandwich – you know, the Nono's uh, Italian sandwich, fantastic. Try any of those and get triple points, which will get you free pizzas, free drinks, uh, free gelato, free brownies, uh, free breadsticks, all sorts of great stuff there. Uh, fantastic food. I highly recommend any of the European locations. In a lesson of know your audience, we're going to questions from ugasports.com. But first, this one from YouTube. Off-topic question for Coach. Who's the greatest men's professional tennis player of all time? Well, you got to go with Djokovic now. I mean, he's got the most uh, all the all the the uh, big the grand slams, all of them. Uh, certainly, Federer and Nadal are up there too. And then back in the day when you using wooden rackets and all labor, all that. But um, Djokovic's going to keep adding to it. I don't, I don't see him falling back any. But uh, he's just uh, he's just a driven guy, and uh, he can return serve against anybody and uh he's really improved his game and his fitness and you know back in the days he had a lot of injuries but i just don't think nadal probably gonna be able to come back enough to catch him but he might could win the french or something i'm not gonna ask roddy coach and i talk about tennis a lot so this is yeah we need to stop that (laughs) let's go to georgia questions from bush dog when Amarius Mims comes back to starting at right tackle, what do you do at left guard considering how the three of Trust, Fairchild, and Morris have played so far? Yeah, I don't know that it's a given that, that they'll put 
trust in their uh, at guard right away, or they'll put Mims in at tackle. Um, I, I know that Stacy will just work it out who he thinks is the best five at this point, you know, because, you know, there's no question that Mims is going to be a little rusty. Uh, and these guys have acquired a lot of playing time. So both Morris and uh, uh, Fairchild have played really well uh, and, and have gotten a good feel. But but let me just tell you something. How about, how about Ernest Green? I mean, I told you guys when the season started, we got all these pre-conference, all, all you know, all preseason, all conference guys, but Ernest Green might be the best lineman we got. Did you see the play where he blocked the corner? I mean, good Lord. That was a murder, Coach. He should have been brought up on charges. Well, you can't, you can't pull out there and run like that as a three hundred pound guy, and uh, just unreal. But I, I do think, just don't necessarily think that Mims is going to jump in there and we'll move it back. I mean, I, it could happen, but it'll, it'll all be dependent on uh, how Stacy feels the best unit's going to be. But it's hard to keep Mims off the field for sure. But um, the one thing Trust will have to do is work hard at his guard technique because these two guys are playing good. But all of a sudden, uh, a position of uh, not a lot of depth has been developed because of injuries. All of a sudden, you've got uh, Monroe Freeling got a lot of practice reps, which is against our defense, and a few game reps. And uh, we've gotten better at guard, too. So uh, feel good about the way our line looks going down the stretch here. I was going to ask you about coaches call-in shows and maybe this question from Red and Black in the day get there. It says Clemson is obviously undergoing a very disappointing season sitting at four and four, but this is a coach with eight ACC championships, two national championships, and Dabo Swinney. How much grace uh, gets extended to a coach with this much past success who's suffering through rough times now? Yeah, it's a real fine line there, and that's one thing that's tough about a call-in show because – you, you you want to service the uh, the public, but at the same time, uh, you know I, I think you got to understand that uh, it, it, nothing's to be gained arguing with them. Just let them let them you know say what they want. And uh, but certainly a rant that uh, Dabo went like uh, I thought he was uh, on the, this is your life. Uh, he went through uh, five minutes going through college and walk on. I thought Ralph Edwards was the host of the show. You know, this is your life. <laughs> so uh, you probably did never see that, Dane. But uh, I, I know the reference, but I, I wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was great. Ralph Edwards. I love Edwards. that damn show. Right. Yes. Roddy Nabosi, this is your life. It's your life. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but seriously, uh, Dabo is, it, it's tough when you've been on top and then all of a sudden you're, uh, I mean, they've lost four games. I mean, they're seven and seven, their last 14. And uh, they can't wow. move the ball. They threw 50 passes against NC State, bringing a new offensive coordinator, paying him $2 million. And um, they haven't used the portal. They, they, uh, they're just uh, in a tough situation there. Uh, and uh, this, this is a joke here, but I thought it was really funny. They said that the Clemson and uh, South Carolina game is going to be played on the Cartoon Channel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, both these teams, just hard to believe that, uh, you know, not so much South Carolina because, you know. I was, I was like, Come on, you knew South Carolina wasn't. But, but them, you know, they did win those last two games last year. But 
But well, they had all the calls, right? There's Michigan, Michigan game with calls. He could have, but seriously, uh, for Dabo, uh, he cares about the kids. He's a good guy, and all. But I, I think he, you know, uh, he, he just got to cut it off. There's no need to keep talking when that kind of situation's going. I don't know if this is accurate, but I do trust Jermaine King. He says, I remember the final radio show from Coach Donnan at Georgia, and someone asked if he had advice for Coach Rick, and Coach Donnan said, yeah, tell him not to do these radio shows. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did say that. I, was, I, was, uh, I, told, I told the guy in Kentucky, I told the guy in Kentucky when he offered me the job, I said, I'm not going to do a call-in show. Uh, you know, I, I, And he said, okay. But, you know, I did a poor job on that. I mean, when I look back, I was – I was very impatient and I was just so driven to be a coach that I, I did a, I, I, being in the media, like I was with the SPN and everything. I learned a lot about the other side that I wish I'd have known when I was a coach. And I've tried to transcribe that to my friends and help them because guys have a job and they got it to do, but the, the people that call in, uh, like the guy asked me if we ever practice blocking and tackling, I mean, I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a, CPA and I said, "Well, do you ever use a calculator?" Um, <laughs> uh, that was not good by me. And uh, that's a good response. Let's don't, let's don't get into that. I'm not. I, I did a poor job on that. I was bad. Look, you're hyper competitive, and and you're a funny guy. Like sometimes those go hand in hand together. You, you're not the first or the last. I, I mean, the, I, difference, the difference for me up in Marshall. I mean. We had to call and show up there at uh, Pizza Place on Thursday night, and everybody came around, and we got some tough questions and all, but it was, you know, good interaction and all. But, boy, I mean, the, the one here was like a uh, – I mean – It was a fight. Yeah, I remember it. Uh, it, was, it was more of a uh, do what you can to bust the coach. But, hey, you, you it goes with the territory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go with Riser, who says uh, has this question: How does Georgia clean up the slow starts defensively? Seen first possession touchdowns from Florida and Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, a couple weeks ago we were talking about how can what's wrong with Georgia starting a game on offense. You know, we were so, we were slow starting. Uh, the one thing that that you can't really figure or gauge watching the tape, or particularly when a team has an off week, is what are they going to do? different than what they've done prior to this. And you got a feel for them. You don't know what the receiver's capabilities are as far as speed and all that. And you're trying to get a feel for them. So you have a hard time really calling some defenses you might've called based on their tendencies. So it looked like we were more of a react defense than we were attack there starting out. And, uh, you know, they made some good plays. I mean, no question about it. And the only thing I would say is, we're going to face a similar situation this week because Mizzou's coming off of, of a bye week too. But there's kind of a silver lining in that in the fact that sometimes they, uh, you know, self-scout themselves and they look at you and they look for every little fine-tuned thing and they get away from what they did that got them there. So hopefully uh, there'll be a little mix of that from Missouri uh, uh, that they will maybe – well, we, they're going to double cover burden. We got to do this, blah, blah, blah. So you just got to think what if, if you're a coach, but at the same time, if you're any good, you got tendencies. You, you're going to go up there and say, look, I'm going to throw the ball to Brock Powers. I mean, if you cover him, you cover him. Coach, everyone deservedly so is talking about Luther Burden, but you follow Oklahoma pretty closely. You still have a lot of contacts there. What can you tell me more about this Weiss 
guy at receiver? He's a good receiver, tall, slender, kind of slinky, like not as good as as George Pickens, but looks a lot like George. And uh, transferred into Mizzou and has been a good, viable guy away from the ball to help out. Their tight end starting to come on too, and uh, they do a good job of utilizing Weiss, particularly in the red zone. He's good on the fade and the fade out, and uh, he's somebody we got to be aware of. Let's get in this question and go to uh, another commercial after it. Coach, as an NC State man, what are your memories of Roman Gabriel? This question from Red and Black in the day says that his dad coached against him in youth baseball in North Carolina, said that he was one of the best athletes that he ever saw, and that included Andy Johnson from Athens. Roman Gabriel was a quarterback from uh, New Hanover High School. And what's unbelievable in Wilmington, what's unbelievable, he succeeded the next, the guy that was a quarterback before him was Sonny Jurgensen. So you got Sonny Jurgensen and then Roman Gabriel as your quarterbacks. And then Roman Gabriel comes to NC State and didn't have as a good a supporting cast as I did. He's got all the records and we got the wins, but he, <laughs> he was such a good guy and a very, but I watched him play high school basketball. He won the state tournament and then basketball. He was a good baseball player. Just an unbelievable athlete, big, strong guy. But the best story on Roman Gabriel I ever heard was when when we uh, were at the, had the training table in NC State and everybody talks about stories like what's going to happen and everything. And I might have told this before on here, but I'm going to tell it again. So Coach Edwards had this deal where on Sunday night everybody had to come to the training table, whether you were married or whatever, you know, we had to come and watch tape, which, you know, film then of the previous game and the next opponent. And uh, they did the same thing on Monday night. Well, Roman was married at the time. And this is the story that I heard. And so Edwards gets up in front of the whole team and said, I don't think it's fair for the married guys to be able to eat on Sunday and Monday night and us not take money out of your check that we give you. So we're going to start taking money out of your check, you know, just like the whole team's out there and he's telling them and Roman stands up and says, no, you're not. <laughs> it's like the, and, 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 you know, you just don't talk back to Earl. I mean, nobody ever says anything to Earl and Earl just said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. I'd like to try to Kirby. That'd be a great I'm going to tell you, too, that high school, uh, their coach, Leon Brogdon, uh, which makes me feel pretty good. Um, my, between my junior and senior year, my dad worked at Wachovia Bank, and uh, they tried to get me to move to Wilmington and play quarterback there and offer my dad a big promotion. Uh, so, uh, But I, I wasn't into it. I didn't care about leaving my, my players up at Burlington and everything. But uh, – it was enticing, though. You know, it was nice for my dad and everything, but um, unbelievable. I was going to follow Roman Gable in high school, and then I followed him in college. I love it. Well, if you want to follow our friends over at Dead Soxer, you can check out their uh, <coughs> Herschel Walker ones. I say Herschel. I, I don't know if that's officially licensed or not, but they have an 8-bit. They do these little 8-bit uh, icons, and they have some really neat ones from uh, all the different schools out there. You know, the – See the LSU ones, the uh, uh, Old Miss, Oklahoma. They have some crazy Texas stuff. The Texas cow socks kind of crack me up. But our friends at Dead Socks, they have these great red and black socks. And uh, of course, if you have friends or coworkers or somebody like that who is uh, 
Uh, they're into different color, you know, different teams. They got you covered there as well. Um, you know, of course, they have the Mississippi right. ones because there are a couple of Mississippi guys. I always like the uh, Georgia ones that have there's the Georgia one with the uh, giant uh, star in the middle. So uh, where Athens is, which is kind of a neat effect. So if you ever get a chance, check out our friends at Dead Soxy. These socks do not fall down. They stay up because they have the uh, true state technology. They're incredibly comfortable. Coach can tell you they're well made. He's tried them. He comes from a hosiery capital, if you will, and our friends up in North Carolina. So he knows what he's talking about. If you get a chance, check out Dead Soxy. Use promo code UGA Sports. Get 25% off your order. And hey, look, it's uh, we're tomorrow's November. So we're right in, we're getting into the holidays and you're going to need some gifts. Check out deadsoxy.com. Also, want you to check out our friends over at um, My Perfect Franchise. So if you're looking to get into uh, franchising and you're not sure exactly how to do it, My Perfect Franchise, there are over 3,000 different ones that they know about. And it's a 100% free process where you call up Andy Ludecki, you know, or uh, Brian Beachy and say, hey, I need uh, some help. I need some advice. What can you tell me about franchising? They're like, okay, well, show, show me where you're at now. Where do you want to be? And let's talk about it. So if you've ever just wondered, you know, what, what's involved? How do I go about it? How do I finance it? What, do, what are the requirements? Here's a guy that has set up tons of our readers, our viewers, people who watch this podcast have gotten new businesses through uh, My Perfect Franchise. So if you're like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what's required. I have no clue. You know, just reach out to them and have a 20-minute conversation. They will walk you through it and give you a great idea of what's involved. Check them out. Question from Billy Zane. Hey, one one thing else I want to talk about just about Roman Gabriel because it shows you what kind of guy he was. You know, he played he was playing pro football. He'd been away from NC State for five or six years. And we were trying to find some way to stimulate our camp and get get some more people coming. So I called him up and I said, Hey Roman, is there any way you can come come to our camp and help us out? You know, uh said I'll you know, we'll get a, we'll fly in here and get you a hotel and do all that. And he said, well, when is it? And we said all that. And he said, well, I'll be back in touch with you. So he called me back about a week later and said, yeah, I'll be there. He said, I'll be there all three days. He said, you don't need to get me a plane. I'll fly in there and said, I'll stay in a dorm with them. He wow. stayed in the dorm, ate with them, did everything. Wow. Uh, a big NFL quarterback. And can you imagine those kids being around them? I mean, just, I mean, one of the most unselfish things I've ever seen from a superstar. That's great. A question from Billy Zane regarding wide receivers. It seems like there's been a different guy who's gotten more targets in each of the last three games. Raw right, Kentucky. I love it against Vandy. Lad last week against Florida, even though he's been coming back from injury. Is this by design or just kind of the flow and what defenses do to dictate it? A little bit of both, Billy. I think. Certainly you can design plays where we tag things and, you know, you say the guy's name at the end where you're going to emphasize the guy. But a lot of it has to do with the coverages and the way you line people up. And some guys are better at certain things than others. But uh, kind of the flow of the game sometimes, you know, it ends up with – and who's in the game because we got Rosemary Jack Sane in and, and Bell in too. So uh, I thought – it was pretty impressive that we had Bell in to run that fade. It couldn't have been a better throw or a better catch than that than the one he made. And we saw Raw Rod do the same thing against Kentucky, catch that ball down in the end zone and drag his foot. So we work hard on that. Our team works against each other daily on red zone 
defending the, the, the faves and the crossing routes, but uh, it's a good question. I mean, uh, I think it's a little bit of, hey, we need to get the ball to this guy in certain situations and this guy and that, but uh, I can tell you this, we're going to throw – if 84 is available, we're going to throw it to him. I mean, he's going to be the feature guy. The way he cuts, he's going to be open. Well, I thought that was a good comment by Kirk Herbstreet, which you know you guys have had him on this show multiple times, and he actually said uh, over the last – he was kind of previewing the Georgia-Florida game. He said, yeah, 84, Lad McConkie, the most underrated wide receiver for the last two years. And I'm like, well, that's a nice little shout-out. And uh, congrats to Lad McConkie for being named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. I think that's the first time he's won that, and it was his – his 100th catch was the one where he caught it and took it in for a touchdown, uh, his first touchdown of the year. Uh, I think that was telling that the guy's got 100 catches, and on his 100th one, he scored against Florida. So uh, great, great afternoon for him. Why, why, why did we recruit him? I mean, that, I did, no, that was I did, a real sarcastic deal, but, I mean, this goes back to show you that, hey, our guys do a really good job of uh, researching people, and, seeing what the fit's going to be and how they're going to utilize them. So uh, he, he's he's definitely a big-time player. Big Fatty 94, who has the bigger game Saturday night, Beck, Lovett, and Ladd, or Brady Cook, Luther Bird, and Theo East? Who has a be- better game? Bigger game is what he said. Bigger. got to have a prediction here, Coach. Well, you know, I'm not just a homer, but I think uh, we're going against a lot less – defensive secondary than those guys are going against. Uh, you know, they rank 93rd in the country in uh, pass defense, and uh, they run a lot of man coverage and get some pressure. But, uh, you know, a lot of it's been based on last year's game, and certainly they did a good job against us. But I go back to the week of the game where uh, our defense, our offense was thinking about we got to get to the second level and get these linebackers, and we didn't – you know, like a zone scheme, you block a guy and then go to the second level. We were leaving too soon and miss, missing those guys at the point of attack, and they got some lost yardage plays on us. You won't see that this year. Uh, so what if the linebackers do scrape off? We'll secure the line of scrimmage. And uh, so I would say to Big Fatty, unequivocally, I'm going to go with our three guys because I think we're just as good and we're going against a lesser defense. Red and Black in the day ask, what are the differences between pre-snap routines on offense these days compared to when you played or coached? So it just seems like it wasn't a lot of the part of the game, maybe like 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, back when I was playing, they they had some coverages. You know, we used to call our coverages by colors. Red was three deep, green was two deep, red tom green was combination. And, you know, you had several of those different looks, but we play so many different things now where we match up based on the release of the receiver. I mean, we could be in, in a too, too deep shell, but if the slot receiver breaks it to the inside, you know, that safety might spin down on him, but it, it's a lot tougher now, but uh, for sure to, to get the pre-snap read and all that. But the one thing I always told our quarterback, and I still believe it today, that coach is going to tell that guy, all week, you got to disguise your coverage. You got to disguise your coverage and don't let them see what you're in and then get to it. And certainly they do that in practice. But when there's 90,000 people out there and the band's playing and their ass is tight, 
they're going to line up in their defense. They don't disguise anything. Now, those guys can walk and everything, and you see them moving around. But bottom line, uh, estimate the defensive intent. If a safety's back 12 yards, even if he's trying to disguise it, he's not going to get up there and hurt you. As compared four across the board, look, you know, with some kind of man look, pre-snap, or one three look, some kind of one high. So, but the basic deal is when you come out of the huddle, you got two indicators that you want to look at. Where's their their nose guard if it's a three five, or where's their mic if it's a four three, and figure out how their front's going to be, and their front's going to tell you what the coverage is because usually you're going to base your coverage support based on your front. So if you have an odd front, you're probably going to have to have some really good support into the boundary. Or if you have an even front, you're going to have to balance out this. So I'm going to find out that indicator first, and then I'm going to look at that free safety. He's going to tell me what's going on. I got two keys. I used to hate to see a, co- a quarterback leaving the huddle or walking in the line with his head down. What are you looking yeah. at? What are you looking at? So many ants are on the field. Look, look, look at the defense. You can see so much. You got 12 seconds there before the ball snap to estimate the defensive intent and save yourself. Everything is going on. What's the ball snap? I mean, you got a pretty good idea. They're going to do that. That's one reason why when we went to Oklahoma, we moved the fullback up a half a yard so we could, we could run the mesh quicker and read the defensive lineman quicker as compared to riding him and having a chance of pulling the ball out and mistake. We could make a quick ride and pull by moving him up a half a yard. That's one of the things that I did there and I thought was pretty good. And then we split our tackle out. But uh, you tell your quarterback, if this guy's in the B gap, there's a pretty good chance he's coming inside and you can go on outside with it. So uh, we knew pretty much what we were going to do, even though we were reading it. That's enough philosophy there. I'm really no, make, make sense I want all the philosophy. Uh, all right, I'm going to play a game on this question, Roddy. I, I'm going to see if I can guess Coach's answer before he gives it because I've sat beside this man for a long time. This question's from UJLM95. says, who has the advantage in the play-calling matchup, Coach Drinkwitz or Muschamp? Though this is – it's Schumann, right, that calls out the plays. Regardless, I think Coach is going to say – the the coach that has the play calling advantage is the one with the better players. Certainly helps. Uh, <laughs> you know, coaching won't win for you, but it'll get you beat. If you think you're going to out coach Tom Osborne or these guys back when I was coaching, you're not going to do it. But you better coach as good as they are, and you don't have to make magical calls and all that. Just call what you think is based on your performance. Uh, Drinkwitz uh, has given up the play calling this year, and he's brought in uh, Kellen Moore's brother, Kirby Moore, from out in kind of like the quarterback that played here, uh, from out at Fresno State. He's been under Jeff Tedford. And, uh, you know, he um, Drinkwitz is more of a CEO now. And and then Schumann and Muschamp coordinate the defense, but Schumann makes the calls. But uh, uh, I give the advantage to Schumann. I mean, uh, I, I just feel like he's a he's brilliant tactician during the game. I'm talking about not good, not excellent. He's brilliant. Let's go to Lost Dog 2. says, is Anaya Smith a good player comp for Dylan Bell? If so, how do you utilize a Dylan Bell in Georgia's offense? He can uh, both can play running back effectively, and they both have good hands and can run routes. Yeah, I think Bell's a little bigger than Smith, but uh, – 
we've used him a lot like that, although they don't use Smith as a running back like we have Bell, albeit because we had some injuries. But uh, Bell's definitely a big contributor to our team, and there's been plays where he's been close to making some bigger plays or he just gets stripped at the last second. But the guy's got a little uh, giddy-up in his uh, – you know, uh, ability to make people miss. And uh, I think he'll be huge down the stretch here. I think he'll be ginormous. If you're coming into town for the game, you should stop by Academic Brewing Company over on the west side of Atlanta Highway, Roddy. You know it's going to be packed. And if you want to watch games before and after Georgia, Missouri, it's probably a good spot to go watch Alabama and LSU. Absolutely. And they got a new menu item. Uh, they have gluten-free buns now. So you can enjoy uh, one of the hamburgers and stuff they have out there if you're allergic to gluten. So uh, hit them up. Of course, their hamburgers are phenomenal. And their uh, triple meat, their service sandwich is one of the best out there. And, of course, tonight they'll have a bunch of uh, Halloween stuff if you're in town this evening. Of course, they always have Taco Tuesday. Uh, go out there for lunch and get their pulled chicken tacos. They're great. And they have a huge, huge car show coming up. I mean, it's going to be a monster car show uh Look on the date, November 5th. So uh, a major, major car show. You definitely want to check that out if you get the chance. Uh, you can see the little fly over there if you're watching the show with us. I mean, they fill that parking lot full of classic cars. That is amazing. So check them out when you get the chance. Uh, also want to, uh, they're not exactly a uh, sponsor of our show, but I want to mention our friends at uh, Hunker Vodka. It's made by ASW Distillery. If you're coming into the game and you're bringing a bottle of Tito's Vodka, do not do that because all you're basically doing is helping the University of Texas, who will be in the SEC next year. So are you trying to help somebody that Georgia might have to face? And could be and in course, the CFP this year. Yeah, it's very possible. So check out uh, Hunker Vodka. It's actually made by a bunch of Georgia graduates. It is phenomenal. I can tell you because I have drunk it, uh, drank it, imbibed it, whatever you want to call it. It is good stuff. It's better than Tito's, and you're not supporting the University of Texas when you buy Hunker. You're supporting the University of Georgia because part of the proceeds from Hunker Vodka go to the Classic City Collective, Georgia's NIL arm. So check them out when you get a chance. I want to right. make a statement about the sign stealing here because uh, everybody has been reading about it, and people are saying, well, you know, uh, everybody does it, blah, blah, blah. Sure, they do it during the games. I mean, you try to do everything you can, and if your if your signals are so simplistic that somebody can pick them out, uh, that's your fault. But to send somebody to another stadium is is very uh, ridiculous uh, breaking of the rules. And I've been involved in two games: one that I won and one that I lost, where the 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 signals were. Uh, a big part of the, of the game. Uh, we were playing Maryland and they played the week before against Tennessee. And we sent two coaches to the game and they uh, just wrote down every signal that the defense ran the whole game. And we played them up at Maryland. They held it up a hundred percent and we smoked them. We knew what they were in every play on defense. That's a tremendous advantage. And then at Missouri, we played uh, Texas at Texas and we had a graduate assistant that uh, his brother played at uh, linebacker for uh, Texas, and uh, he, he had subsequently left and gone uh, to work somewhere. But he told told them about our center that when he was running a pass, he had one hand on the ball and two hands when we were doing the run, and 
we never got a play action pass the whole game. And, uh, you know, we found out later that's what happened. We're stupid by us. We can recognize our center. But let, I'm just telling you, uh, all this stuff, and for Harbaugh to say, if, if he says he doesn't know anything about it, well, then he's got a silencer on his on his headset because yep. standing here to the defensive coordinator make the calls when the guy tells them what the other team's plays are. Uh, I, I think they got him dead to rights. And if I'm a coach in the league in the Big Ten, I'm going to raise holy hell about it because it's a tremendous advantage. And any of these pundits that say it's not have not been involved in football. I can tell you one thing. I felt like I was a pretty good play caller, but if I knew if the defense was in man or zone, or if I knew they were playing a, a stack defense compared to a, a overshift or whatever it might be, I would have been an even better play caller. So, uh, or worse, in some, some people's mind. But the but the biggest deal for me is just the fact that they would think that they could send somebody to another stadium and film the people and bring it back. I mean, you know, you, you can't. It's a gets the rules. To scout somebody, you can't do that. So, so much for that. Let's uh, finish up with some questions. I'll sneak in some from YouTube here as well and Facebook. Brian Wilkerson, who is Georgia going to put on Luther Burden? I think we're going to put so many different guys on him. He, he probably won't even think. Uh, I mean, you guys remember this? Kirby Smart's a secondary guy. Must Champ's a secondary guy. And they take a lot of pride in not giving up an inch. It's like the other day when Taiki knocked that ball down on third down after the game was out of reach. You know, I mean, they they ran that trail technique with him. So we, we don't necessarily have to play man on him or double him, but we can do – a lot of it will be based on where where he releases and things like that. But we'll give him some – some unconventional looks. I can tell you that he, he he's never going to feel solid about what we're in when the huddle breaks, because we'll give him everything in the history of college pro football, Canadian football. We'll see so many different looks that he'll be crazy. And he'll probably catch some too. I mean, he's good. He's a good player. You can't shut a good receiver down, but, it's not going to be we we and uh, it's a real challenge for Georgia. But I will say this: that game last year got our attention, and I don't think that we spent the whole off season and all summer and all that just not doing anything on Missouri. Yeah, Kirby looked ahead last week, you know, yeah. even with Florida coming up, and he always says, "Oh, we're only focused on the team ahead of us." They, he was looking ahead. He's doing balls too. Yeah. Chris, do you think Amarius Mims plays in this game? You know, if he was if he was ready to go questionable last week, you got to think this week he's closer. Uh, and a lot of it just depends on kind of like McConkey. What can he do in practice? Uh, because uh, it's not like you can just turn it on and off. I mean, you got to go out there and you got to make the calls. You got to be in line with everything else. And you, you got to look at it. Seriously, like, is he better than Trust at this point? You know, because Trust is playing great. So, uh, and he's he's a first round draft choice for sure. But I mean, it, does he have his mojo back? That's what's going to be be the whole deal. From OU Herschel Walker, coach. If he keeps playing like this, do you expect Carson Beck to go pro or come back for one more year? Well, he's having an unbelievable year, and I can't say enough about it, the contribution he's made to our team. Uh, 
as a quarterback, and, and he, he certainly got some of the tools that you need. But uh, in his defense, uh, he, he could certainly look at it, but there's a lot of good guys coming out now. Uh, you got to think that Caleb Williams and uh, Drake May are going to go high, and then there's a lot of other guys. So uh, Bo Nix, I mean, going down through them. But uh, maybe Bo's got another year. What do I mean? <laughs> 57-year plan. But anyhow, uh, I think it would certainly be to his advantage to, in the draft to, to wait. But um, selfishly, but at the same time, Kirby will do, tell him to do what's best for him. Phil Rogers on Facebook. Coach, who's bigger up front, Georgia or Missouri? I think we still got a little bit of edge on our offensive line size on their D line, but uh, their their old their old line's big. They got some big old boys up there. I mean, some and uh, I know that Trey Scott's. I talked to him during the off week, and we were talking about. He said Missouri had a really good offensive line. Uh, Chipper Bones, coach, how long will Kirby Smart be able to keep Bobo and Muschamp on the staff? Well, both of them have head coaching experience. I don't know at this point what kind of, uh, uh, you know, if they want to get back in it, but it's hard, it's hard to do it. I think in Mike's case, the fact that his son's here, he's got three more years, he's got some high school age kids too, that it'd be hard for him to move. But, you know, it's if he, he's got a good opportunity, he's certainly going to look at it. I think Muschamp having two uh, really good jobs and, now being here uh, seems to be content. So I would say both of them are probably going to be here a little bit longer myself. And I'll wrap with this comment. I think this was in response to our call-in show discussion. Uh, Jim James says, I wouldn't be, want to be the one to give Coach Donnan or Gene Stallings a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, but just, you know, I, I, I just ask anybody out there that, had a bad feeling about me this please forgive me because I was uh, something that my wife talked to me about everybody and I was very very bad about it and and that's something that you know you, you, you don't uh, quit beating yourself up over can't, it's so can't worry about what other people think that's for sure but I always and I, I feel like what I, the way I've acted since then I've always felt like that I really did have a, a, a tremendous affinity for the fans. I always tried to do things off the field with them. And some of these people said, Hey, his biggest issue was he couldn't get along with the alumni. I mean, that, that nothing further than the truth. Now I, I certainly was bad on the, on beating the, the teams we needed to beat and, uh, and being bad on the show. But as far as you can ask a lot of alumni out there, they'll still tell you that, uh, local touchdown club, all the things we did. So uh, that's enough about that. But well, coach, is that, hey, ask Kirby a stupid question to see what you get. No, I've, but, I've been on the receiving end of playing this because I've asked him some dumbass questions, and he has lit me up in the press conferences before, and well deserved. Because I'm like, you know, I shouldn't ask it that way. Other times, though, he takes a question the wrong way and will light you up. So if you want to yeah. have a, a a fun evening. Ask Kirby Smart a stupid question when you don't understand football and see what happens. But this stuff that Coach is saying, and I had the same response to Debo Swinney last night. They care. They're showing that they care, and that's a good thing, that you yeah. you want that place and that community to be successful about it. And, like, that that's passion, man. Like, it, if you don't have that part of it, you can't win in these jobs. There's just too much right. going on. So right. the passion and the care is a big, big, big deal. I like seeing that from Debo. Yeah, I mean, hey, stand up for your program. But, uh, but anyhow, I got time for – the joke. I mean, I've been waiting on this joke. If I don't, we'll do it next week. You got it. We'll wrap with that. 
So this guy's in this rest home and he calls his family up and said, look, I have a will, but I want you to actually listen to some of the things that I've got. And I want you to bring a tape recorder and ask the nurse to come in here so I can go over it and have a witness to all this. So uh, got the two girls, one boy and and the wife in there. And he says right off the bat, he says, Mary Lou, I want you to take the area around the country club. And, uh, and uh, then t- talks to the first girl, said, Sarah, I want you to take the, the, the group over near Beachwood and uh, handle that. Uh, you've got this area here. And uh, so they just finish up and the nurse said, man, this guy's got a lot on his plate. And the wife said, hey, that's his paper route. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you got me, son of a gun. You did. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate a, you guys putting up with my stupid. I thought that's a pretty funny joke. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm gonna try to top you next week. I'm gonna come up with one. Hey, good. hey we're, good. We're, we're gonna have a, a special Friday tailgate show on this channel. People can tune in if they want some more Jim Donna talking about interacting with the fans. This is something they didn't have to do when he's doing it. So excited about that. I'm looking it. forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the next two weekends. Both my grandsons are coming in from uh, one from Oklahoma and one from Dallas to watch the dogs play. And they're, they're going to be here with me for a couple of days and nothing like being with your boys. So it's, I'm looking forward to them uh, and they love the dogs just like we do. And uh, it's going to be a fun time for them. Oh, do we get friends on the watch along show? Do, do we get extra friends in the room? No, they they got to be over in the stadium, man. They got they're not coming here to sit slumming with us. <laughs> no, they're gonna be over there interacting. We we we're running out of watch along. We got we got what three more games and that that's it, right? We just contracted through the regular season this year, right, Roddy? That's correct. We get a few more sponsors. Maybe we'll do the post game. We don't have any uh, SEC or. Uh, so I'm gonna probably be going to those games. So hey, go dogs! We got four more games. Yep. Love it. All right, folks. Uh, that is it for this week. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Great uh, questions from the uh, Facebook, from um, uh, YouTube as well. Good to see Johnny, Andy, uh, Christy, Jermaine, Curtis, Les, uh, David. Uh, a lot of folks hey. in the comment section. We appreciate it, Justin and Christy and Clayton. Uh, we love all the comments you guys. We see it. We don't put them all on the screen, but we do read a bunch of them. Shout out happy. to Marilyn Farmer again. Hope she's watching. Oh, I love it too. And uh, we will see you this Saturday. Come join us as we do the Georgia Watch Along. We'll see you then.